This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. The sky view version of verses 1 through 10 can kind of be boiled down to this. You are dead in trespasses and sin. But God, because of His great love, made us alive together and seated us in the heavenly places with Christ that He might show us the riches of His grace in His kindness. It's by grace, through faith, the gift and the plan of God. Love it, that's the highlights of what we're going to be getting into. In today's message, we'll get an aerial view of the second chapter of Ephesians. One of the key points that we'll be able to take away is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's by His shed blood that we can be cleansed and forgiven. It's because of what He has done that we can be made righteous. It's because of His loving example that we can know how to walk as believers. And it's because of His sacrifice that we can now come in faith boldly to the throne of grace. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1, for part one of our message entitled, A Flyover of Ephesians, chapter 2. Now, I know that some of you have been to these large amusement parks that we have around our nation. Actually, now they have them all around the world, these huge, monstrous, these things of staggering in size, literally thousands of acres. And a lot of times when you go into the amusement park, right at the entrance gate, they'll give you these little uh, fold-up maps, and you unfold the maps so you can kind of, number one, see where you're at, and number two, find out where the attraction that you want to see is at and kind of guide you through the thing of the amusement park. But uh, if it's a really big park, I know they used to have them. I don't know if they have them as much anymore with lawsuits and everything else. But they used to have these gondolas that you could actually go above the entire park and you can kind of get a, a bird's eye view of the entire park as you go. And you can see from a whole different vantage point the park. You can see almost all of the rides at that point in time as you're going over. You're not really experiencing the fullness of all the rides and the attractions at that time. You're simply being able to see them from a distance. You're getting this overview of the park. You get a great advantage that way of being able to see the lay of the land, so to speak. Well, the reason I mention that is because this morning we're going to take an overview. We're going to take an aerial view of chapter 2 of Ephesians. And we're going to come back. We'll get back down on ground level. We'll actually experience each one of the areas and the sections that we're going to look at this morning in in a deeper way. But right now, I want you to be able to get that uh, gondola experience. I want you to be able to see really the whole aspect of what Paul is trying to tell us, the fullness of the message of what we see in these 22 verses of chapter 2. So I need you to hang in there with me a little bit, okay? Because it's going to be different than what we normally do. Normally we go verse by verse uh, and pretty much word by word or at least phrase by phrase. And we're not quite going to do that this morning. It's going to be an overview. But I want you to leave here this morning with at least two things. Two things that I'm shooting for. The Holy Spirit may have a whole another idea for you, but two things that I'm kind of, hopefully you're going to be able to leave here with. The first one is a clear understanding of what the Lord has done in your own personal life as a believer in Jesus Christ. 
through what Paul is declaring to us in chapter 2. So that as we go through this overview, you take it on personally and say, wow, that's talking about me. That's me in the midst of that. And those things that he's saying, man, that's where I am at in Christ. The second thing that I want you to be able to bring from here this morning is actually the understanding that this message is also for those who have yet to come to Christ. That it's a great promise. It's the gospel message within one full chapter. And we'll speak about that a little bit later. But those two things, the fact that it is you in this chapter, but also that it can be anyone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ. So first, before we get into it, I need to kind of prepare you with a little bit of information about the chapter, even before we get into the study. So you can kind of take it as mom and dad telling you about, hey, we're going to the amusement park. This is all the things. This is all the cool stuff we're going to be doing there, okay? Uh, In chapter 2, Paul kind of continues on with this descriptive language that he used back in chapter 1 when he starts talking about that exceeding greatness of the power of God. He speaks about it primarily or specifically in verse 19 of chapter 1, but it really is that thought, that concept. It's the basis of what he's going to be speaking about here in chapter 2. And although for us, we look and there's a great chapter break right there, and probably for most of your Bibles, you have a some sort of title of what that chapter is about. You have to realize that Paul isn't thinking, up, break, new chapter, come on, Tysicus, let's go get a cup of Java, chat around, we'll come back, we'll finish this book a little bit later. No, it's this one thought process that that he's moving along here. So we need to be able to mentally ourselves, because we've taken quite a while going through chapter 1, we need to mentally take the opportunity to tie in chapter 2 with chapter 1. So to help us do that, at the very beginning of chapter 2, he begins with these words in verse 1. He says, and you, and you. Well, this phrase, as he ties this in, is the same group that he speaks about over in chapter 1. So follow along with me, if you want. Back, We're going to back up a little bit. Back in chapter 1, verse 13, he says, In him you also trusted. Still in verse 13, he says, After you heard the word. Still in verse 13, he says, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Then in verse 15 we read, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, still in 15, about your love for all of the saints. Down in verse 16 he says, I give thanks for you, still in 16, making mention of you in my prayers. Down in verse 17, in essence that God, he says, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Verse 18 still, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Okay? So the first question that really we ought to be asking is, is who is the you that Paul is speaking about in chapter 1? Now on the surface we can look and say, well, he's speaking to the Ephesians. But we also need to understand, no, he's speaking to us. So the answer to the question, who is the you that Paul is speaking to? Well, you be the you. 
that or you are the you is the you. Whatever it is, you are that's who he's speaking to. And that's what I want you to take into consideration this morning as we look at this. If you've come to faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you are you. By the way, you're also the saints. Saints aren't plastered windows or statues in a garden. The saints are the believers in Christ, and Paul makes that very clear throughout the book of Ephesians, and we'll be getting into that as we go. Another point of preparation for our overview. Remember, as we studied last week, back in verses 19 through 23, we spoke about kind of that sidebar of Paul speaking about the power of God, the dunamis of God, working through the resurrection of Christ. And remember, we also spoke of the glorious position of Christ. He's there in the heavenlies far above all things, both now and also in the ages to come. Well, we find as we get into chapter 2, Paul compares what he just spoke about, about that glorious position of Christ. He compares that really to our fatal position before we come to Christ. Because, beloved, outside of Christ, we are in a desperately fatal position. We need Christ in our lives. So as we soar above the scene of chapter 2, we're going to be removing some of the detail, and you need to bear with me on that. We're going to be observing only the highlights, some of the landmarks of this chapter. We're going to remove a whole lot of the descriptive language that he gives. We're going to be looking for the primary intent the message, the passage overall that Paul is going to give us so that we have a good idea of where the Holy Spirit is leading Paul. And this is going to help us then as we go through verse by verse with the interpretation and also the application in our own lives. What we hope to do is get this broad picture of what we're about to enter into. Fair enough? Can you hang with me on that? I know those of you that are that have been with Calvary Chapels for a long time. Man, I want an in-depth study. Man, I want I want, I want to know the the Greek background. I want to know the verb tense. I want to. We will get there. Okay, we'll get there. But right now, I need to give you this overview. Now, the chapter is is easily broken into three parts that we'll be looking at today. Part number one is verses one through ten. Part number two is verses eleven through eighteen, and part number three is verse nineteen through twenty-two. And that's the way we'll break it up. So let's begin our overview. Let's look at the first portion of the passage, verses 1 through 10. 1 through 10. We read in chapter 2 of Ephesians, And you he made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, oh, I love that phrase, I can't pass here. One of the greatest phrases you and I need to find within Scripture is that, that little short phrase, but God. Because usually it comes into that place where, oh, we're lost, it's a desperate, we're toast. And then we have, oh, but God, but God. So just bear that in mind. We're not going to go into that today. Just keep moving, keep moving. You're still moving along here, okay? But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man. There's no doubt that right here in these first ten verses is some of the richest passages within all of Scripture. And then I read that, and man, I want to dig into it probably just as much as you do, but this morning, it's the overview. We're still on the gondola, okay? Nobody ju- Keep your arms and your feet inside the gondola. Nobody jumps out at this time. So let's look at the overview. Let's look at the high points here. First of all, in verse 1. We see our past condition. Paul says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Again, there's so much to say on that, but we're not going to take the time this morning. Just understand, that's what our past condition was. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. In verse 4, the second point of the first section here. Verse 4, now we see the vehicle and the reason for our transition from where we are were to where we are. The vehicle and the reason for our transition. He says in verse 4, but God. That's the vehicle. That's the vehicle that, again, takes us from where we were to where we're going. And the reason? Because of his great love. Just as simple as that. But God, because of his great love. What a great highlight. What a great understanding that is. The third part of this first section is found in verses 5 through 6. And it's the result of our transition and our current position in Christ. The result of the transition, he made us alive together in Christ. We find that in verse 5. Our current position, we find in verse 6. We are seated in the heavenlies in Christ. We move to the fourth part of this first section. In verse 7 through 10, Paul tells us of the ultimate purpose and, again, the method of that transition. The ultimate purpose, verse 7, that he might show the riches of his grace. Not the goodness that I am, but the riches of his grace. And the method of that is found throughout verses 8 through 10. It's by grace Through faith, it's the gift and the plan of God. And beloved, we so need to burn that into our mind because so much within the world continues to speak of you and and me and us and we. And beloved, it's about what God has done and continues to do. And that's what I need to continually drive home, not only in my own life, because my own flesh keeps rearing its ugly head up, but for every one of us. It's not about us. It's about the glory, about the grace, majesty of who God is. 
So do you kind of see the idea of what this sky view is? Again, just kind of looking at that. So we kind of look, the sky view version of verses 1 through 10 can kind of be boiled down to this. You were dead in trespasses and sin. But God, because of His great love, made us alive together and seated us in the heavenly places with Christ, that He might show us the riches of His grace in His kindness. It's by grace through faith, the gift and the plan of God. Love it, that's the highlights of what we're going to be getting into. The scene is this, we were a mess, but God, but God. And through His grace, not our works, not our abilities, He's now seated us with Christ. Now at this point in time, our gondola kind of shifts. We go through one of those support bars. We kind of shift a little bit. We make a couple of a degrees turn, but we're going to see some familiar territory. We're still moving forward. We now get into the second section. Let's look now at verses 11 through 18. Some of you are saying, Pastor David's never covered this much territory in his life on one message. Um, we're going to come back. I'll, I'll make up for it, okay? Verse 11, read with me or follow along. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity. That's the, that's the conflict. That's the battle. That's, that's again the reason why we couldn't come together, but we'll look at that later. Having abolished in His flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in Himself one new man from the two thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. From our sky view... Now we're going to look at the main points of verses 11 through 18. The first point is this. Here in verse 11 and 12, he reminds us of our past condition, similar to what we saw in chapter 1. In verse 11 and 12, he says in verse 11, Remember, you were Gentiles. And for a Jew, a Gentile is out of the picture, okay? Do you understand that in the concept and in the mind? Because he goes on to say in verse 12, he says, At that time you were without Christ. You were alienated from Israel and the promises. He goes on to say, Having no hope and you were without God in the world. That's a desperate situation. And that's where we were. Again, Paul drives home that situation. Just as he said we were dead in our trespasses and sin, now he says you were without Christ. You were alienated from the things of God without hope. And without God. 
However, in the midst of this desperate situation, God, once again, we're going to read, God provides this vehicle for our transition from being dead in our trespass and sin to being alive, from being without Christ, to having Christ, from being without God and hopeless in this world, to having hope and being a part of God's kingdom. Verse 13 through 15 shows us that vehicle and the purpose of that transition. The vehicle we find in verse 13, but now you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is the vehicle of our transition. We cannot come any other way than through the blood of Christ. There's no works, there's no goodness, there's nothing else we can do. It is the blood of Christ who is the vehicle. And the purpose of that transition is found in verse 15. And beloved, it's not the purpose of the transition is not so I can have a happy life. I want you to understand that. I believe there's great joy. It got really silent there for a second. It's kind of like, it's not. I'm I'm sorry to disrupt your day. But the purpose is not for a happy life for you. Now, in Christ, there is great joy. There's no doubt about that. And there's great times of, of even happiness. But the great purpose is found in verse 15. To create in himself one new man, and from the two, making peace. Again, who's it about? Is it about me? No, it's all about him. Let's come to the third portion of this second grouping. In verses 16 through 18, we once again see the result of the transition, and now our current condition, okay? Not what we were, but what we are now. In verse 16, we find the result is is that he is reconciling both to God through the cross, putting to death the enmity. And that brings us to our current condition found in verse 18. He says, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Reconciliation is the result. We're reconciled to God. And by the Spirit, now we have access to the Father. That's our condition. What a blessing that is. So again, the the highlights of verses 11 through 18 could be placed this way. Remember that you were Gentiles. You were without Christ. You were alienated from Israel and the promises. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. But now, having been brought near by the blood of Christ, creating in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, reconciling both to God through the cross, putting to death the enmity. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Beloved, we moved from being alienated, not only from everything that dealt with God, but from God himself, to now having full access to the Father. That's the work of the cross. That's the work of the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. Now we move to the next point of our transition on our gondola into the third section of Scripture, section verses 19 through 22. It's the final part of our journey, at least in in chapter 2, but take a look at it as we read through. Verse 19. Now, now, therefore, 
because of all that's going on. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You're no longer Gentiles, is what he's saying. You're, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So now we look at the highlights and the first one we see is our new position again in verse 19. We're no longer strangers. We're fellow citizens now with the saints members of the household of God. Again, from being alienated, now we're part of the household of God. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to the Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-836. 9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through God's Word. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.